Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s. And Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey. We created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we have a wonderful episode with Nick Shaw, the founder and CEO of RP, Renaissance Periodization, a diet and fitness company founded on evidence-based practices to help members achieve their health, athletic performance, and physique goals. He is also co-host of the RP Strength Podcast with his wife and RP colleague, Lori Shaw. As a former competitive powerlifter and bodybuilder, Nick has also personally coached numerous world-class athletes, including CrossFit Games champions, international medalists, Olympians, UFC fighters, professional athletes, Navy SEALs, and regular people too. (laughs) The RP team of coaches currently boasts 20 PhDs in the fields of sports physiology, sports performance, sports nutrition, and even cellular molecular biology with an emphasis in nutritional physiology. Five members of the RP team are RDs with other working towards their RDs. Unrivaled in the fitness industry, a large portion of the RP staff are as much renowned academics as they are themselves world-class athletes. The entire team is passionate about the work they do to help hundreds of thousands of clients worldwide improve their health and meet goals. We have a wonderful conversation about fitness, nutrition, and Nick's personal journey. Also, if you are listening to this episode on its release date, January 27th, tonight at 6 p.m. PST is our first virtual coaching event of the year. The theme is how to read nutrition labels and why ingredients are important. We still have a few tickets left, and if you want to know more, you can find information in our show notes. Enjoy the episode. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. 
Thank you for joining us today, Nick. Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor. So just to get started, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your personal background and story and how it's led you to the current work that you do? Sure. So I'll kind of do a, a quick version, I guess. But I just, I've always loved fitness. Growing up, I was actually a runner, which believe it or not, like most people look at me now and they're like, well, like you were a runner. So I ran cross country and track in high school. I just, for some reason, it just, the idea of, of fitness in sort of being able to always improve and get better. It's something like no matter what it is, whether it's cardio, it's lifting, you know, whatever, I've always just been really drawn to that. So I've always loved lifting and working out and whatever. So I, I lifted a lot. I ran a lot in high school. Um, I met uh, my, my colleague at the University of Michigan. We were both doing undergrad there. Believe it or not, we went, we met in the weight room, you know, just like you can't even make that up. Right. Um, he was like, Hey, like, you look decently strong. You should come join our club. And we were like a powerlifting club. And I said, oh, okay, cool. That sounds good because I like the idea of competing and whatnot. And I hadn't the first couple of years that I was in school. So he convinced me to do that. I guess the rest is history. I uh, became a personal trainer after Michigan um, in New York city, which was really cool. Got to, to work with a bunch of really, you know, some of the brightest people in the entire world in Manhattan, which was really cool. And then after that, I kind of went out on my own. And that was really the beginnings of RP way back in like 2012 or so. Wow. Um, so I'm curious that like you started this lifting journey, right? Like you go and join this club in undergrad. It, it inspires you enough to want to pursue this and professionally too. Um, did you ever see yourself... Like, I'm curious, like, what was that after that time in Manhattan where you had these one-on-one -on -one clients in your training to then launch into this kind of entrepreneurial space? Like, did you always have that aspect of wanting to be an entrepreneur and build something and grow something? Or did that happen sort of organically? How did that come about? Yeah, I guess I'm an accidental entrepreneur. It was never really this intention to grow and create RP into this guess, big company that, that some people would say that we are today. Um, really, my buddy and I, so this is Dr. Mike Isertel, co-founder of RP with me, uh, we just really loved working out and we loved helping people. So we would have clients. And so when we started, we were only doing one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, I actually was training people in person. He was doing stuff online. And again, this is way back in like 2011. So I don't even know if Instagram was out yet. And so we were constantly referring people back and forth to each other. And then he was like, hey, I can't really keep up because he was getting his PhD at the time in sports physiology like truly a, a sports nerd sports physiology in a nutshell is a study of basically how do you get athletes to perform better so we definitely started out with um i guess with a, a clientele that was really interested in sport performance and how to get better which is really cool because that's what we loved that's what we did ourselves and you know we just started sharing those results online and you know just making sure that we did a really really good job really good customer service like that's always been number one thing and it kind of just grew organically to the point where we started getting more and more clients we started bringing in uh, more and more coaches uh, folks that my colleague had went to school with so all really you know qualified people so phds and whatnot and it just kept growing from there and then we kind of like, hey, this is really cool. People really like this methodology. How do we help 
you know, scale this more to help more people. And so we wrote our first ebook way back in 2014. And that was really kind of this, you know, mind earth, you know, earth shattering thing to us. Cause we were like, we only really ever envisioned to help people with a one-on-one setting. And it kind of grew from there. At that point, I won't call it an accident. We were like, this might be a pretty good idea. And then quickly after we did the ebook, it was like, okay, this is like definitely the route to go. And this was 2014. So we were kind of early with the whole like online coaching thing. Um, and it really took off from there. So it's been great ever since. Can you talk to us a little bit about Renaissance periodization and what you offer now and what, what you do? Yeah, totally. It's a really long name. It's one of those things when we first started again, like accidental entrepreneur, we just thought it was a really cool name and it has a little backstory to it. Um, you know, a, a lot of folks in like the fitness space, there's a lot of fads and gimmicks and things out there. And, um, you know, my buddies, you know, again, most of our coaches have PhDs. So very evidence-based scientific processes, you know, the best way to get results, most efficient way. And so that was like the Renaissance phrase. And then periodization is sort of the, in a nutshell, it's kind of like you sequence one phase to set up the next to be more successful. So, you know, in hindsight, would we have chosen the same name if we thought we would have been kind of successful like we are? Probably not. That's why we just go by RP Strength now because it's just so much easier for people to to understand. And, you know, when you go to type that into Google, you're like, I I can barely even spell it myself. So um, anyway, so that's kind of what we did. Uh, So now we do I guess probably three different tiers of things, maybe four. So we do like educational eBooks. If you just want to learn a little bit more, you know, whether that's training, whether that's nutrition sort of covers it all. Um, actually a, a recent uh, book that we just came out with is, is an RP health book. And so it's all about pregnancy um, and nursing afterwards, which is really cool. Cause we've always had people ask for that, but we never really had something to help. And so now we have that. So we have eBooks, um, we had templates, which are kind of like this do-it-yourself program. So if you were to hire a coach, and I'm sure you guys know this, you hire a coach, not everyone can afford a coach. And so it's a, it's a barrier to entry. And so our idea was, well, how do we take like the coaching model and how do we make it cheaper and more affordable for everyone? So it's not, there's no barrier to entry or much less of a barrier. And so those were like a hundred dollars or so. And they did really well. First one we ever came out with is in 2015. And they, they kind of morphed over time. We evolved them a little bit. We got feedback from people and then eventually we made it into an app. So that's kind of where we're heading now. It's just really kind of funny to think about. Again, talk about accidental entrepreneur. Like now we're becoming a tech company. And I'm like, <laughs> I guess I own a tech company. Like that's really weird. So it's kind of like this gradual evolution from Excel files into like sort of prettier PDFs. And you know, now we have an app, which is really cool because it really just allows the, the scalability to become you know, almost infinite. That's so cool. And, and I love the accessibility, which is something that we are so about. Like we think fitness, nutrition, health, wellness should be accessible to every single person, no matter where you live, what you look like, what your friends are. So that's so great. And I'd love to, to talk to you too about how, you know, the world changed so much in the last, you know, however many months now. And I think because of that fitness and nutrition has evolved so much, right? In some parts of the country, you know, it's, it's harder to get to gyms or there's certain capacity limits or even nutrition, right? If you're home 22 hours a day, um, 
it's, it's hard not to snack and eat. So I'm sure in this new year, so many people have different fitness goals or nutrition goals. Where do you suggest people begin? Like, how would you suggest somebody who is listening and, and has maybe spent most of the last year inside the house and isn't feeling great about themselves and has these goals, um, be it not even like, you know, it could be a physical weight or just, you know, feeling sluggish mm-hmm. because of eating too much sugar. Um, yeah. Where do you suggest people begin? Because you guys do have so many incredible transformations that you help people experience, you know, with their mind and body. Yeah. So it's, so here's what I think happens in, especially after 2020. So 2020 has been quite the year <laughs> for everyone. So I think a lot of people when we're maybe the, the world kind of gets back to quote unquote normal, uh, a lot of people, they're just, I feel like they're going to want to rush to get back into shape again. There's air quotes being made here. And so a lot of people fall into this trap where they want to rush getting results, right? So instant gratification, everyone wants things now, 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 now. We don't want to wait. So I think that's really the number one thing that we should look at. So if you want to make a New Year's resolution, totally cool, right? For whatever reason, whether you want to get into to better shape, you want to lose weight, just sort of improve your mental health from getting back into exercise, all great reasons to start. But don't try to rush the process and think that you're going to get results overnight. So what I've seen a lot of people and what happens is they get really fired up because they're finally able to, you know, maybe get back to the gym or, you know, the, it is New Year's now and everyone's like, yes, time to go. We're going to go 100 miles an hour. Great to have that motivation. But again, it's almost think a little bit more long term, right? There's no, there's no bonus to you know, trying to lose weight as fast as possible because that's where you run into more fads and gimmicks. And of course, it's New Year's time. So there's going to be a lot of people out there kind of pushing that stuff. So you just have to be careful. And that's where the whole evidence-based thing comes into practice. It's like, well, let's maybe slow things down. Let's find something that's going to be more sustainable in the long run because we really don't want just people to get results in the next week or couple weeks or even month. It's sort of, how do you make this more of a lifestyle that's set up to be for six months, for 12 months, for a couple years? And if you look at it from that perspective, hopefully then people are making better choices and they're not ready to you know, cut out all this, you know, food that they probably like, right? So obviously there's some give and take there and maybe at some point you'll have to remove a little bit of it. But again, just sort of finding that uh, kind of that fine line and the balance there of, you know, not going too crazy with with setting goals and and finding something that's a little more sustainable. Mm. Yeah. I think that's, I was going to say, I think that's a great advice, like that there's not necessarily, if it really is a lifestyle change that you're seeking, there's no rush, like, I mean, maybe there's a rush to start when you feel really inspired, but there's no Mm -hmm. rush to like what you want to ultimately implement potentially for the rest of your life. That really isn't just like in the moment, quick fix. Cause we all know that sometimes like those quick fad things can work for a minute, but that's when you like it, they're just not sustainable in that way. Mm -hmm. And that's when you set yourself up for potential like disappointment or falling off or because it's just not it's not sustainable as a human being or with the life that we lead. And that kind of leads me into my next question, which is, you know, you guys come from this really um, sort of athletic performance and sports um, 
background in the way and, and sort of science background in the way that you have crafted these programs and with your coaching and training. And I know sometimes people can feel if they feel like this is a new part of their health journey, a little intimidated if they're not naturally an athlete or if they didn't, didn't grow up, you know, playing sports or didn't, um, don't consider themselves, or it's been so many years, there's sometimes a level of intimidation to that, like, and that can create a barrier to entry. Uh, so as someone who has sort of spent many years now creating this, um, with the background that you have, how would you encourage um, anybody who is interested in really getting into fitness, perhaps maybe interested for the first time? Um, how would you encourage them to begin that process? Yeah, it's a really good question. So that's something we've we've wrestled with a lot mm. and a lot, a lot, a lot. That's not even an understatement. So we definitely started in the more athletic realm and have kind of slowly shifted over time to now we have this really sort of like, you know, large amount of kind of, you know, general population folks that again, they just want to get healthier and, you know, lose a few pounds or whatever it is, whatever their goals are. Um, I would say just start simple. And again, we were guilty of this early on of we, we thought like, you know, hey, like we have this awesome methodology, like everyone needs to follow it perfectly. And if they don't follow it perfectly, then, you know, go do something else. Or, and we're like, well, that's maybe not the best approach. And so we definitely made some errors early on and kind of shifted our, our thinking. And we're like, you know what, we probably just need to take this methodology and we need to simplify it. Because if you throw it to someone that's not as familiar with, let's say, counting macros, or they maybe don't go to the gym on a regular basis, like maybe they work out at home, and that's totally cool. We definitely were too intimidating for those folks. So we'd have some people that would get really inspired, and then they would, you know, get our program, and they'd be, like, well, I'm not sure what to do now. And so we have like a big Facebook group. So again, people are able to give feedback, and we're able to help and all that. But it was kind of like this eye opener, like, okay well, this makes sense. How do we now simplify this? And, and so, you know, a couple examples. So we had these templates that, you know, they required a lot more rigidity. So you had to like eat at certain times of the day and you had to kind of eat around training and whatnot, which is great if you care about performance. But we're like, well, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they like lifting, but they're not quote unquote athletes. That's just not their main focus. And we're like, oh, well, let's how do we take this approach and, and sort of morph it into something that's a little easier, a bit more accessible for people that are newer. And so what we did is we kind of just lost some of that rigidity and, you know, is instead of eating five or six meals a day, we're like, okay, well now you're going to have three breakfast, lunch, and dinner, basically. And then you have like a free snack in there and you can kind of, it's, you know, X number of calories. So you kind of just get to pick and choose. So it's not, uh, it's not overly restrictive. And so people that were newer to it, it was great because we had all these people that were maybe a little bit more hardcore and they, they would refer their friends that maybe weren't as hardcore. And then this was great for them. So that was one example. Mm-hmm. Uh, another example was, you know, during when COVID hit, we didn't really have a great at-home training program because we're like, oh, well, you need to go to the gym and you need, you know, this type of equipment and whatnot. And we're like, oh, man, that's just just not going to work for a lot of people. And so we were able to create a, a program where if you have a pair of dumbbells at home, you're good. So again, it's just simplifying that whole process. So again, that's probably the main thing for more general population folks. 
What would you suggest? Cause I love when I listen to podcasts with experts like yourself and, and, you know, I've, t- I'm going to make this like into a two part question, right? So like you guys talk a lot about lifting and mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of women who are, might be afraid to lift, right? Cause they don't want to bulk. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about why we should lift and the, and, and that we will not bulk, right? If we do it correctly. Um, and then second to that, can you talk us a little through what you think is an optimal fitness plan? Is it primarily lifting? Is there cardio involved? Um, what do you recommend people do? So yeah, a little two-parter. <laughs> Two parts. Okay, cool. So the first part, um, again, I'll, I'll sort of do my best here. So the second part was optimal and the first part was what again? I just want to make oh, sure. Oh yeah. Like I feel like there's such resistance for a lot of women oh, okay, to yeah. lift heavy weights because they think they're going to bulk. Right. I've heard this over and over again. So totally. Yes. I'm sorry. I, I've probably heard that a million yeah. times myself. <laughs> so lifting has so many benefits that I think if you're going to try to get people in into lifting, one, they kind of have to be a little interested first. Like you're not going to take someone that has no desire to lift. Uh, A good example would be my sister. She loved running and hated lifting weights. You know, here I am kind of the, you know, quote unquote meathead over here. And I was, I was like, Hey, you should, you should come, you know, start lifting, try it. She's like, no, I hate it. I'm like, okay. And I didn't really push her on it. So I'm like, okay, well, if you don't like it, I'm not, you know, going to force someone like, if you like exercising in general, that's totally cool. You know, whatever it is, whether it's cardio, whether it's lifting. And so, you know, slowly over time, she kind of got into it and I was like, oh, okay, well, like I'll send you a program. And I sent her like the, the gym free program so she could try it at home. And then she kind of eventually over time got into it. But again, like it's super common. So just focus on the benefits. Um, it's going to improve bone health. It's going to just improve overall health, uh, probably become more flexible probably get a little bit more confidence, right? I think most people, when they start lifting, they just feel better. Um, I mean, exercise in general, you just feel better. So like, that's a huge win by itself. Um, And usually, so even if you stay the same weight and you start a weight training program, well, what's going to happen is you're probably going to gain a little bit of of muscle. You're also going to lose a little bit of fat. So you kind of get that, you know, toned look that a lot of folks out there are after. So again, I think, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but you know, if you go to a gym, especially if you're not familiar with it and you go and like you look over in the free weight area, who's usually there? Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, most of the people, and they're probably fairly jacked or whatnot. And you kind of see that and you're like, oh, well, I don't necessarily want to look like that. And so you kind of intuitively think that it's the lifting that does that. And then they don't realize that these people dedicate their whole lives to it. Like, okay. let's be honest. And, you know, I, I've competed before in bodybuilding. I mean, you, it's literally your entire life. And so I think I've seen a funny analogy out there. It's like, it's kind of that, you know, lifting will make you too bulky or whatever. And it's like, well, you don't like get into a car and kind of accidentally become a NASCAR driver, right? Like you kind of have to train for that. And it's very particular and it takes a lot of time and effort. So it's kind of, maybe that's the best analogy. Hmm. Lifting a couple of times a week, it doesn't have to be a ton. It's just great for overall health. It's going to help, you know, innumerable benefits. But again, if you start going six, seven times a week and you really start dialing your diet and you're trying to gain muscle and stuff like that, it's, it takes a lot of work. You don't just kind of accidentally get too bulky. That's pretty hard to do. So that's maybe a long answer to number one. And then we get back into number two, you know, what is optimal? 
it depends on the person, right? Like it depends on their goals because some one person might like running more, you know, like my sister in that example. So I would say for her, you know, run exercising, let's say three, four times a week is probably going to be very, very good, no matter who you are. Again, if you're super, super serious, you're probably more in like the five, six, seven range. But again, that's if your goals are to be someone that's, you know, more performance focused or a quote unquote, an athlete. But if you just want general health and fitness, you know, I would say lift once or twice a week, do some cardio a couple times a week. You're pretty good. If you're this is seven days a week, if you're exercising most days of the week, so that's four, let's call it. That's pretty good. The, the, the lifting cardio split really just depends on the person's goal. So, you know, I wouldn't sit here and say, Hey, to be optimal, you need to lift three times a week. Well, again, like if someone doesn't really like lifting, it might really help them to get them in the gym once a week. Right. And you know, maybe they're just doing circuits or something. I think that's, that's good to like, even from like, from you who, who has created a company about, you know, optimal performance for athletes and like the top, top sort of, um, performance goals can be reached for people to to have that sort of general sort of understanding and reality check that like anything, any sort of movement or exercise that people can incorporate for their lives is going to benefit them. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands, and each and every time I was plagued with those red itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand, and in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. We often talk about the concept of bio-individuality from a, um, a nutrition point of view that like, all, as you were saying, there's not one size fits all because your goals may be different from someone else's goals and your lifestyle may be different from someone else's lifestyle or that your performance needs perhaps so that it's, it's individual per person. And 
we often discuss that from a nutrition concept. So I'm curious too, how do you guys at RP approach the nutrition component um, in a fitness program or in a health program for your, for your clients? Yeah, it's a great question. So again, we don't like to tell people exact foods to eat. So what we typically do is we help lay the amounts out in, in like a rough sense of timing. Again, it sort of depends on how serious or how new you are to it. The nearer you are, like the more simple the plan is going to be, right? So adherence is the most important part because if you and I've been guilty of this before, especially with some of the higher level athletes that I've worked with, where I would write them this super elaborate diet that I thought was going to be the greatest thing in the world. And then they just couldn't stick to it. And I was like, well, I probably shouldn't do that anymore. And so you kind of have to meet the person. I don't want to say 100%. There's kind of that fine line in there. You got to kind of meet them in the middle. Like, let's say someone's not used to eating breakfast in the morning, or they just don't like eating when they wake up. So you kind of take the idea of intermittent fasting and you're like, okay, well, I know that, you know, the main principles are, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to kind of meet them in the middle because if you are too rigid in the way you coach people, so, you know, client X, Y, Z doesn't like to eat in the morning. You're like, you have to eat at 6 a.m. Well, are they going to stick with that program? Probably not. So you got to go, okay, well, when do you usually eat? Okay, let's say it's 10 a.m all right, well, your first meal of the day will be, you know, 10 a.m. And, you know, here's kind of the rough amounts that you should aim for. And here's like a list of the, you know, quote unquote, acceptable foods. So again, you'll probably have some type of lean protein, some, uh, some veggies, your healthy fats, maybe some healthy carbs. So there's a lot of nice balance there. And again, they kind of get, so let's say there's a list of 15 to 20 foods in, in each one of those. Well, you just kind of pick your favorites from there. So it's not super rigid. It's not like, hey, at 6 a.m. you're eating chicken breast. It's like, okay, well, let's maybe not go that hardcore, you know, because maybe some people, like, again, I'll take myself. I don't really like eating in the morning. So I usually just have some type of shape because I don't want to wake up earlier and like make eggs. I've kind of, I've done that before. Again, then like the more hardcore route. And I'm just like, that's not sustainable for most people. So you kind of have to, there, there's a lot of give and take there. So you have to meet them in the middle. I like that so much. And I think especially like we've talked so much about throughout this episode, it's interesting because I've even, you know, the last two Januaries I've done, um, whole 30, which I really enjoy. It's like a nice reset to start, um, to start the year. And, and I always like it, but at the same time, I've really started to think about and research like, yes, like resets are nice, especially after an indulgent holiday season or, you know, whatever. But at the same time, right, like you mentioned, it's like if you cut a whole food group or if you cut alcohol, you cut these things that are a part of your life, you know, like it's not sustainable. So I think it's like, again, thinking what are your goals is kind of what I'm learning and activating on because, yeah, if your goals are just like a nice reset, that's great. But if it is like... I want something that's going to sustain me throughout this year, then maybe it is like you're saying, it's, I, I like the idea of like, you get to really choose and decide based on these parameters of you're still going to hit your goals. But again, it's sustainable because you're probably going to want that drink with a friend or that date night with your partner or whatever. Right. So it's, it's just, I'm, my mind is activating as you're talking. <laughs> Yeah, totally. So in the simple diet template, so again, we have three meals a day and then you have like, you know, X number of calories and it's theoretically the way it was set up. So if you're someone that, you know, likes a glass of wine per night, you could probably find a way to work that in there. Or if you wanted to go out on Friday nights and, you know, have 
dinner with your significant other, totally cool. Or, you know, maybe you're someone that likes ice cream. Well, it might be hard to fit in, you know, something like Ben and Jerry's because it's highly caloric, but something like uh, Halo Top or Enlightened, maybe you can work in yeah. half of a carton or something each night. Like you can totally do that. And when you, <clears throat> excuse me, when you do that, again, it just, we've just found that it works so much better because it's not as rigid. And then people are like, oh, because most people, when they think the word diet, they think something is going to be super restrictive. Yeah. And then you, 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 you say like, oh, well, it doesn't actually have to be. It, people can, their, their minds can just yeah. be blown. It's cool. I think that actually leads into, um, it's a good segue into the, one of the things we were talking about a little bit before we started recording, which is, you know, for, for many years, but especially right now within the wellness world, there's, um, there is a lot of pushback and, and for good reason. I mean, the, the diet industry is like a $72 billion industry. So a lot of people are, are, um, used to being sold sort of these, as you had mentioned, fad diets and, um, sort of like there's all these dietary trends and, and that doesn't always take into account the effect the effect it can have, especially when people suffer with disordered eating, emotional um, connection to food, which many, many people have with or without um, disordered eating. And I'm curious, how do you guys handle that um, as, especially because you originally started in this real like um, scientific sports performance oriented. There's like a lot of math that's involved with that for specific sort of performance results, which doesn't always, as we're saying, might not apply to the average person, um, who might not consider themselves an athlete or who just wants to improve, who just want to improve their health. Uh, so how do you guys reconcile this, um, this aspect of like toxic diet culture with like programs that can really help empower people to, to prioritize their health maybe in a new way. Yeah. So again, there's a lot of, of really interesting sort of approaches out there. I'll say that. And I guess kind of ties into several different things we've already talked about a little bit, but again, a lot of people think that, they want to lose weight and they need to do it really fast. Well, that's kind of number one. So you kind of go from it, the standpoint of let's try to educate people that if you just, you know, make better food choices and you don't have to cut so hard and you don't have to go so fast. I think that kind of helps people from a mindset approach starting out because I've listened, I've heard of some just crazy diets. We, we, you know, I've talked with a couple of people who have lost like over a hundred pounds and they're like, I, yeah, I literally tried like 50 different diets. Uh, you guys know who uh, Ethan Supli is? Um, so uh, the movie, Remember the Titans, he was like oh, yeah. the, the 500 pound guy. Wow. Well, now he's like 250 and he's actually quite jacked now. It's, it's really wow. impressive. And he works for like an RP coach now and he's like super into fitness. And it was funny because I was talking with him quite a bit and he was, he literally listed like 30 different diets. Wow. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I've never even heard of half of those. So again, like there's all sorts of crazy stuff out there and it's usually just trying to get people results as fast as humanly possible. And like you guys said, well, you do that, it works for a minute and then you gain it right back, probably even more. And then mentally you're totally discouraged. You, you think that 
you almost start thinking like it must be me, right? Like, and mm-hmm. so that's a whole other issue there. And then you, it's like setting. It's what happens is people kind of go from like fad diet to fad diet to fad diet. It's like all these crazy things, like cabbage soup diet or something like that. It's so crazy, I don't even know. Well, they bounce around and they just they see some results and they get excited, and then it stops working. And then they get discouraged and then they sort of slide back to where they started and they just kind of repeat this process and then they kind of just get burnt out. So we've seen, you know, people come to us and they're like, yeah, I feel like I've tried everything out there. And they're like, yeah, but you know, like a friend told me about RP or like I saw a cool before and after on Instagram. I'm like, yeah, well, I was like, I've done everything else. Like it's worth a shot. And so then we come in and we're like, okay, well, we're not going to do this crazy stuff. Like we're going to kind of go the more slow and steady approach. Hey, just aim for like a pound or two a week. Mm-hmm. weight loss if you can do that for 10 or 12 weeks i mean you can lose 20 pounds yeah so again it's kind of tackling that whole people want results as fast as possible that's a really hard one too because it's everywhere in society yeah i i agree yeah. i think and i i love to because you know you guys are i feel like when you come from a fitness focused place or a movement focused place right because fitness is different for everyone <laughs> but it when you come from that type of mindset, right? Like you have to eat, right? And I think a lot of fad diets, sometimes people can get into the mode where it's like they're having less than a thousand calories a day or maybe a thousand calories a day. And that's not sustainable. It's not healthy, especially if you're a woman for women's health hormones, different things like that. And so I think, but again, if you're moving your body, if you're exercising, you do have to fuel yourself, right? Like you have to eat. And I think, yes, like that might, if you have weight loss goals, might be within like a window of calories. But if you're working with a coach or a professional, it's, you're going to have to eat food. And I think like food should be like, I love food. I love to eat. It's like my favorite thing ever, (laughs) honestly. And so I feel like we, as a culture, it's like, it's exciting when it's, comes from a science-backed place and it's about your individuality. Like you said, there isn't one diet, one size fits all. Um, That's just exciting because we should be enjoying food and we should be eating food and we need like, yes, food is enjoyment. And like I said, I love food the most, but food is fuel, right? So if you're moving your body, you need to fuel yourself properly. And I think, I think that can be the problem with diet culture is it's, it's, yes, weight loss is great or the mental component of eating differently and working out is great. But I think it's changing the fact that like we should enjoy what we eat and it's also fuel for like all of our amazing organs and body and muscles and, you know, all of that good stuff. I'm glad that you were talking about, you know, you have to eat and fuel for performance. So what, what I always found really interesting was there's a lot of diets that the very first thing that they talk about with folks is what you can't eat. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was just, maybe not the best approach. Yes. But on the flip side of that, I understand it took me a while to finally get it, but I understood why they did that because they're trying to, they're essentially trying to get people to eat less and they just want to do it in a very simple manner. So, and again, this goes back to, we had to morph our methodology over time because it was a little bit too complicated for folks. And cause we're like, it's a lot harder to explain to people, Hey, here's 50 things you can eat. It's a heck of a lot easier to say, hey, you know what? Just don't eat this. And then people are like, oh, okay, I can do that. And then they're off and running. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting, but it also, 
it also sometimes triggers, I think, this concept of like, well, this idea of restriction. And then you're on this place of like, good, bad punishment. People get into these emotional cycles about it, especially if you have this, if you have a complicated relationship with dieting or with food in general, it to then be given just like a bunch of restrictions to start doesn't necessarily empower someone. So when you're, so I do understand that it's the easiest thing to do, but I also now on the flip side say like, when you focus on, as you were saying, with customized diet programs you give people, hey, maybe these are the 15 options that I'd like you to choose for breakfast at the timing of your choice. It, it allows people to shift their mentality and say, okay, I actually need this to give my body the proper fuel it needs. And then you're no longer like living from this place of like, oh my gosh, if I have this, I'm bad. Or there's a, this bat, you know, I, I think it, it changes the mental, um, the, the, it's like a mental health component. Cause I think that part of that restrictive, um, sort of cycle can be really, really detrimental to people who have had complicated relationships with it over the course of their life. Um, and that being said, from a science perspective, this is what Eric and I talk a, a lot about. There's this enormous emotional component for a lot of people with food. And then there's this whole idea of like this movement of like, there's no good foods or bad foods. But what we were saying, we have a hard time reconciling that. I, I get it from a, from a, like a mental perspective for people to like give themselves permission to not go into self-punishment mode. But what I like to say is there's, there's food and then there's non-foods. And a lot of what we consume, um, especially in the standard American diet, are non-foods. We just call them food, but they're processed, they're created in like labs to hit bliss points in the brain and keep you addicted and craving more and more basically non-foods with empty calories in them. And that creates so many long-term chronic health problems, not to mention body image stuff on top of that. And it doesn't really set people up to succeed necessarily. I'm kind of curious on your opinion on this, um, especially as you guys create diet programs where you're like, hey, for your particular results, these are what you need to incorporate into your life. This is something that you, you can choose from rather than like, hey, know this, know this, know this. And, and what I love that you did mention earlier was like, you do have a balance of macros. Like all of these things exist in our, in our, like what we need in our body for fuel. And maybe it's a different combination for different people, but carbs are not innately bad. Let's look at, is this carbohydrate source like from nature <laughs> or is this carbohydrate source from some sort of like, I don't know, packaged, whatever, you know? Uh, totally. Yeah. So I, I think probably the, the number one thing people can do to kind of eat better is eat mostly whole foods. Yeah. And if you do that, uh, so a good rule of thumb that we like to use, or I like to use at least when I'm talking to folks is think of the 80, 20 rule, 80% of your foods, mostly whole foods, you know, lean proteins, 
meats, you know, maybe some, some dairy things like that. So, you know, vegan vegetarian sources are totally cool too. Um, you know, your healthy fats, so nuts, avocado oil, um, coconut oil, things like that. Um, healthy carbs, you know, fruits, veggies, uh, so, you know, whole grains, different things like that. Um, so again, mostly whole foods, nothing like super crazy. And then, you know, 20%, like maybe you like the, the, the ice cream or whatever, like we were talking about before or something. So again, it's not so restrictive that people start on day one, you know, kind of hating the diet. You know, if you dread something, well, how likely are you going to stick with it? Exactly. Yeah, you're not. So, Yep. So 80-20 rule. I think that's just a real good thing. And when you do eat more whole foods, well, you're generally fuller for longer because yeah. they fill you up. And well, boy, if you do that, you're the majority of the way there for just eating for general health. And especially if you want to lose weight, like well, don't eat quote unquote junk food. Again, I'm always making air quotes when I say <laughs> junk. Um, but you do those two things, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. No, thank you so much. And thank you for everything you shared. I feel like you're just a wealth of information. And yeah, my mind is vibrating. Um, So as we begin to wrap up, we always ask our guests three questions. And the first is, what are your self-care practices and what are some of your self-care non-negotiables? Uh, yeah, so well, I could probably go really in depth here on this one. Uh, I, I won't go super in depth though because we're wrapping up. Um, I've actually got into a really tremendous habit of, of um, like a, a really great morning routine. So I'll wake up generally pretty early. So I have two small kids, um, and, you know, wife, and so I usually get up before them, do a little bit of cardio in the morning. Uh, usually I like to read. So. 30 minutes, maybe 60 minutes if I can, like on the weekends, there's nothing going on. I'll read for longer. Um, also, you know, try to practice, practice some sort of like mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of set out the, the past couple of years or so to just kind of learn as much as I, I can about like what makes other people successful and sort of draw on all that. And so that's kind of where some of this stuff came from because it's really hard to do some of this stuff later in the day when life starts to get busy or, you know, I have two small kids and like now we're homeschooling them and it's just like, who knows what's going on. I mean, thank, thank goodness for my wife. She helps a lot with that. And, you know, she's also doing some work with RP too. So she's, you know, she's a rock star. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to do that later in the day when life gets in the way and then you're stressed out or whatever and all this stuff comes up. So I just like to get it done um, in the morning. So I know that, Hey, it is done. And usually I'll work out like midday or something. So that's probably my top one. Thank you. And the next question we always ask is, do you have a book recommendation that um, you'd like to share with our listeners? It can be really on anything. It can be something that was just personally inspiring to you, or it could be a resource. I know you have a bunch of eBooks as well, but maybe a resource about, you know, lifting any, really on anything. I'm going to give two. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So the first one I'll say, so I have to sneak this in there as an RP one. So I would say, if you just want to understand eating for general health, we have an ebook called Understanding Healthy Eating. Really good. I would start there. Non-RP, this is, I was actually thinking of this earlier when we were talking about sort of instant gratification and all that stuff. So there's a book called The Impulse Society. I think, I think the author is Mark Roberts. Uh, don't quote me 100% on that, but I'm pretty sure that's who it is. So he just kind of talks about how, you know, social media and everything is sort of warped us to one immediate results. We don't really like waiting for stuff. And then kind of what you were talking about with like the, 
the food complex out there with you know the companies like they want to make really tasty food so we keep eating it that's no that's no mistake right like their corporation that you know they want to do well again maybe does that kind of feed into the impulse society where they're kind of just thinking about the next quarter Mm. versus you know thinking about years down the line of like hey like maybe we should invest you know more money in you know research and development to you know figure out more sustainable whatever it is like kind of healthier foods you know whole foods or something like that but um i think that kind of all ties into it so i think that might be an interesting read given what we've talked about absolutely thank you and our last question that we ask is what does being courageous mean to you being courageous be yourself so don't let social media or whatever impact how you live your life and how you set your own goals so I just was recently, you know, did a big talk about goal setting. And I actually also just recently watched um, like Social Dilemma on Netflix. Have either of you seen that? Not yet, but it's on the list. Uh, so again, I watched that like the night before and then we literally recorded, um, you know, a podcast the next day all about goal setting. But it's like, it's so easy to let social media sort of overwhelm you. And then you start making your own choices based on what other people are doing. And that's just generally not a good idea. So being courageous, do what makes you happy. Like don't let other people influence your happiness. I love that. I think that's, that's just like a daily, it becomes more of a daily challenge in the, in the world that we live in. So I think that's really, really awesome advice. Um, and if anybody wants to find RP, you know, use your, use your resources and your, and your products and um, your training, where can they find you? Yeah, so uh, www.rpstrength.com. Again, we've simplified it. No longer you don't have to spell renaissance periodization or anything like that. Or uh, on Instagram, just at rpstrength. Great. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. We really appreciate this conversation. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.